We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Second Chronicles 21, it says in verse 1, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, uh, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azarihan, Michael, Sherathiah. All these were sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now, when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed all his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of Ahab had done. For he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now we come to this place in Second Chronicles and I always want to remind you guys that it's not just history lessons. These things were written for our own admonition. You know, these things were written for us to, to, to learn from. You know, I, I, it's cool when you get the messages, sometimes in the epistles, man, just the doctrine messages. Uh, sometimes God speaks that way, but a lot of times He speaks through the lives of individuals. And there's different ways to learn. You know, sometimes we learn just by reading the Bible. It's the best way to learn. Just read your Bible. Um, other ways that we learn is by the mistakes that we make, right? Hopefully you learn from your mistakes. Sometimes we learn from the mistakes that others make, right? Sometimes we learn even from the things that people did that were good. That, those are all the things that are inclusive when we read the Old Testament. We read about... You know, these guys that are written for us today, for us to learn today. So we begin uh, with Jehoshaphat. And it says in verse 1, he rested with his fathers. Uh, he, he passed on. He, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a good king, one of the best kings that Israel had. But he was not a perfect king. As a matter of fact, he made some, some pretty big mistakes that now are going to be just absolutely tragic. You know, one thing I want to tell you guys, and for those of you guys who play baseball, you can probably, or maybe even football, maybe basketball. No, I'm just joking. You know how it is? Um, you know, you're playing baseball, and, and I tell you what, you throw one bad pitch, you lose the game. You know, you're playing football, when that, that one interception, you know, they take it back for the touchdown, and it's over. Uh, and, and for life, and I don't want to put like pressure on you, but man, you always have to have your guard up. You always do because, you know, you might be like a right on Christian, but I'm, I'm telling you this not to freak you out, not to put pressure on you, 
But the enemy, he's never sleeping. And, and it's a little compromise that might bring calamity, maybe not even to you, but to your children. You ever think about that? You ever think about what you're doing today affects the next generation? Do you ever think about that? How you are, we are influencing those around us? That, that's what happened with Jehoshaphat. You know, here we read that he, uh, he died, he rested with his fathers, and, and he was buried in the city of David. That's that spot there in Jerusalem. And then, you know, Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, and he had brothers, all these guys that are mentioned here. Uh, they were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, we read in verse 2. And their father, he had a good plan in verse 3. He says they gave them great gifts, silver, gold, corvettes, precious things, fortified cities. He kind of spread them out through Judah. He, he had a plan. His plan was, I'm going to spread all these sons out in the districts of Judah. They're going to have their places because I don't want to mess anything up in Jerusalem where my son, Jehoram, he says, would be king. Now we read in verse 3 that the reason he was king is because he was first born. Okay, mistake number one. You don't put people in positions of leadership who are not, who are not called, who are not men or women of integrity. You know how it is in the world that we live in? You know, they got the, what's that word? Um, where they have more years, seniority, right? And so they give them promotions, and it's the way of the world. You know, and they, you know, because it's their way of saying, well, no, we want to make sure that no one's showing any favoritism. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess maybe in a job over there, that's fine. But wouldn't it be better just to have the right guy for the right job? Especially in, in God's kingdom. But here we see that he put Jehoram there just because he was older. Just because he was the firstborn. If you ever find yourself in a place where you are going to put people in places of position, look for character. Look for integrity, especially in the church. Look for someone who has that anointing of God on their life. Don't just put someone there because they've been coming to the church for the longest time. You know, I've talked to people over the years, you know, the church, and I remember people getting upset. Why didn't you put them in there? And them there, they've been coming here longer. That's not how it works. We, God puts people where he wants them. If we fall into that type of pressure of putting people there because they have seniority, then we go the way of the world. That, that was mistake number one that Jehoshaphat made. Mistake number two is, is what it says there in verse six. He walked in the ways of, of the kings of Israel, that's speaking of Jehoram, just as the house of Ahab had done this is why. For he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, if you want, hold your Bible here and go back to Second Chronicles chapter 18. And verse 1, it says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. See, Jehoshaphat was a good king. 
And, and, and he kind of wanted, this is what I'm wondering, man, why did he do this? Why did he give such a wicked woman as wife to his son? Well, it says right here he wanted to kind of like make friends, make a covenant, make a treaty, be allied with Ahab. And, and so I was thinking, and again, I'm not sure about this. We don't know for sure, but more than likely, because Jehoshaphat was a good guy, is he was reaching out to him. He was thinking, man, this is Israel. You guys know the story, right? How Israel and Judah, they're divided kingdoms. They're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be peace, supposed to be good. And so he's reaching out to him more than likely. Jehoshaphat's a good guy. And, and you know, there's those times, you guys, don't get me wrong, you know, where we have to reach out to, to the lost. But here's the thing. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. You know, you go out with your friends, you want to reach them. You want to, hey, let's hang out on Friday night, man, let's go together. Okay, sounds cool, man, we'll go bowling, right? Because I'm good at that, whatever, you know. And then next thing you know, they, they start drinking and, hey, just have a little one. One's no big deal. Jesus made the water into wine, right? It's no big deal. That's the only verse they know in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> and what do you do? You compromise. Because you think, well, I'm going to reel him in. Yeah, I'm going to win him for the Lord. Or, or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know. You're watching dirty movies and there's your kids and you think it's no big deal. And your kid just sucked it all in. And guess what? You just jacked him up for life. Because you're compromising. You know, you're a good guy. We're, we're Christians. But if we compromise, it affects people. That's what happened with Jehoshaphat. He was, a, he was a great, great king. But what ended up happening is he made a couple of big mistakes. Number one, he put the wrong son as king because he was pressured into thinking it's got to be the oldest. And number two, he made an alliance with this wicked woman, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And you guys know they were bad, right? I mean, Israel was bad enough because they were worshipping the calf. Right away when they broke off from Judah, they were already worshipping the calf. But as if that was not a big deal, Ahab went and worshipped the Baals. I mean, this guy was really, really bad. Okay, His daughter, Athaliah, um, you guys, Josephus is a historian. He tells us it's etched in history that she's the one who told Jehoram to kill his brothers. So there's a lot of lessons here. You know, we've been talking a lot about being unequally yoked. And so here Jehoram, he marries a, a gal. She's not a believer. And, and let me tell you something. A lot of times, you know, you get hooked up with the wrong guy. And, and you know, you're like, but Manny, he's rich got a nice car he's got you know guns i mean like but you know he's buff and <laughs> you know and, and he, he goes to church you know whatever but but you know you get hooked up with the wrong guy and and you know it can happen to the guys as well um it, it messes everything up you know that's that's what happened this alliance was not of the lord and as a result of that just everything everything went bad you know, you got to find out what, what's the root of the cause. You know, why is this happening? 
you know, I was thinking today, like, what causes cancer? I don't know if you guys know what causes cancer. Um, they say it has to do with some um, some genetic deficiency, cell mutations, and I, 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 they, I don't know. They talk about tobacco causing cancer, or maybe too much sun exposure will cause skin, skin cancer. Um, the carcinogens that evolve, the um, you know certain things you guys we can't control, right? But did you know there are certain things we can control? Did you know that, uh, from what I understand, uh, every year there's about six hundred thousand deaths in the United States of America due to cancer, and one third of them are preventable because one third of them are due to a bad diet and lack of exercise. So let me tell you something about life. You know, a lot of things in life, you can't, you can't stop that calamity from coming. You can't, because we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies and fallen angels called demons. But there are a lot of things in life, sometimes it ends up being the majority of the things in our life, that we can prevent. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, you guys. Um, my prayer is that basically you won't compromise. You won't compromise like Jehoshaphat did. You won't compromise like Jehoram did. You won't compromise like Ahaziah did. Because, you know, that's the lesson that we learn as a result of their compromise. All these just crazy things ended up happening. And, and at the same time, it's cool because, again, I don't want to freak you out. At the end of the day, the most important thing is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because right there you're going to find that even though we make our mistakes and even though we do stumble and we do fall from time to time, His blood, it washes away all our sins. You know, even, even the world that we live in today, you guys know there's a lot going on, right? You guys know about this treaty with Iran. And part of the reason why this is not a good treaty is because... Iran can't be trusted, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. That's the end of the, of the negotiations, you know? I mean, it's in 1938. I think they made the Munich Pact. Uh, Chamberlain from Great Britain, he went and met with this guy named Adolf Hitler. He met at his pad. He said, oh, he's a gentleman. You know, we'll do a little compromise right here. We'll give him a little portion of Czechoslovakia. Next thing you know, a year later, they had all of Czechoslovakia, and Germany just continued to plow through Denmark and, and just all these countries and World War II. I mean, you know, you're going to negotiate with the nation that says they want to wipe Israel off the map? The one that says we're the, the big devil? I mean, you know, come on. But this is the time that we're living in, right? I mean, the laws that are being passed, People might look around. I don't know about you. You might look around and you might be freaking out. Manny, why aren't you freaking out? Why aren't you telling us to freak out? Because you don't have to. I read this psalm right here. It's so beautiful. Psalm 11, 3 and 4. It's a New Living Translation. It says, The foundations of law and order have collapsed. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? Listen to what it says. But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everything closely, examining everyone on earth. I mean, whatever you do, don't think that God's not on the throne. 
He's on the throne, and I believe he, this is an opportunity for us to wake up, and for it's an opportunity for us to reach out. You know, I'm just so blessed to know that. The Lord's on the throne. And so we're going to go through these things, you guys. We're going to have our challenges here. But here's the thing. As Christians, I, I want to encourage you to always have your guard up. You know, I always tell people, um, you know, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Make good decisions as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a future husband, as a future wife. You know, make, make good decisions because you are going to be, you know, tomorrow or next week or next month or year, what you are then is going to be really based on what you are now, you see? That's what ends up happening here. You know, in verse 7 is so cool, because even though all these things were bad and this was happening there, I mean, he's killing his brothers and he's walking the ways of the kings of Israel. That's speaking of the Baals and, and just all this craziness, right? It says in verse 7, Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he made with David, and since he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. And so the, the southern kingdom, they didn't get wiped out because of the covenant with David. I couldn't help but think of Matthew 26, I think it's verse 68 over there, and Matthew 26, 28, and it talks about the covenant of Christ. And it just talks about how Jesus came and he shed his blood and he's going to die on the cross for the remission of sins and this new covenant that we have in Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're here today and you're not a committed follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't given him your heart, that's, that's the key. You know, we're all, we're all, we all sin. But the difference is in Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, he's the God of the second chance. You see, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with him. And when you acknowledge you're a sinner and that Christ died for you on the cross, he rose again three days later. And all you have to do is be willing to turn from those sins and trust in him. Give him your heart. Don't play church. You know, I grew up, I was religious all my life. I was, you know, for me, I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic church. But I didn't really know the Lord. And then that day came where, you know, it was, it, was, it was all in. You see, that's what God wants. And when we do that, then we are going to make mistakes. But thank God, He won't destroy us. Why? Because of the covenant that we have with Him. Does that mean that He won't discipline us? No. He will spank you <laughs> if you're, uh, you're God's people Look what we read in verse 8. In his days, Edom revolted against Judah's authority and made a king over themselves. So Jehoram went out with his officers and all his chariots with him, and he rose by night and attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of the chariots. Thus, Edom has been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. At that time, Libna revolted against his rule. Notice, because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. You know what happens when you compromise? Problems. You know, things start, you know, coming against you that were supposed to be subdued. 
You know, for some people, for some Christians, they, they, you know, they're going through hard times, they're going through difficulties, and they're just like, oh, I'm a Job. I'm a Job. You know, I'm, you know, like, and I'm like, no, you're not. You're not a Job. You know, you're carnal, bro. <laughs> you're not, you're not all in. You're not praying the way you should be. You're not fasting. You're not seeking God. You don't have a heart for Him, and you know it. And, and then they're wondering, well, why am I going through all these things I'm going through? It's because you're reaping what you've sown. And so now what you've got to do is you've got to start sowing good seed. Edom, up to this point, they were subservient to Judah. But now when they got in sin, it even says right there, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers, now because they were in sin, now they got problems that they shouldn't have had. They wouldn't have had those problems. They wouldn't have had this opposition if they had been walking straight. Not perfect, but proper. You know, so why does this happen? Why does God discipline us? It's because He wants to awaken us, right? He wants to awaken us. This is why God tries to get our attention. And you're going to find that what ends up happening, just like us with our kids, like when your kids first mess up, you know, you don't, you know, like, you beat them, right? I mean, first thing you do is you talk to them. You know, junior, you know, don't do that. That's wrong. The Bible says, I love you, and if you do it again, I'm going to take away your iPod or whatever, you know. You know, but it, that's the way the Lord is with us. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get things squared away. So he begins with, first of all, Edom. Edom opposes them. And then Libna. Libna opposes them. Now, Libna was a priestly city. It was actually a, a city of refuge. And so, this is Edom. That they're non-believers that are coming against them. This is Libna. They're believers that know better. And they're coming against them. It says right there in verse 10, At that time, Libna revolted against his rule because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Notice what else he did. He made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused, notice that, caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit harlotry and led Judah astray. Wow. The influence of leaders. The influence of fathers. The influence, we're going to see it later, of mothers. Oh, but everybody has their own free will and they got to make their own choice. And that's true. But it doesn't cancel out the responsibility and the influence that leaders have. This guy right here, building the high places, you know, altars to pagan gods, is something that no other king of Judah had ever done. He did. And he caused, it says right there, he caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit harlotry and led Judah astray. You know, when, you, when, when they worship other gods, the reason it's called harlotry or, you know, you guys know what that is, right? A, a harlot is twofold. Number one, because the false religions of those days, they, they almost always included sexual sin with the priest or priestesses. And so literally, God's people were part of religious orgies. They caused that. That's part of it. Secondly, is because God's people are supposed to be faithful. Faithful to God. That we're His bride. We're His wife. And whenever we get caught up in any 
form of idolatry, that's whenever you put something before God, it is spiritual adultery. It's harlotry. And that's where, that's where they were. You know, so this guy right here, Jehoram, influenced by his wife. And I, let me just, just make a real quick mention on that. You know, um, you guys, you know, we have to make sure that as husbands, we're leading our family in a godly manner. Um, there's a lot of talk of husbands being submissive to their wives, and it's true. Ephesians 5.21 talks about being submissive to one another. But, but whatever you do, don't let your wife lead you into sin. You know, you have to ask God for wisdom. I remember one guy, he gave me really good advice. He said, if you're ever disagreeing with your wife, you know, step back. You know, she's got an opinion, your opinion is different. Step back and go to the Lord. But what I see sometimes is some husbands following their wives into sin. Don't do that. That's what this guy did. And look at how, how bad it was. That's what Ahab did. If you guys studied the life of Ahab and Jezebel, this guy was a wimp, man. <laughs> he was a wimp. And so what does the Lord do? He tries to reach his people. In verse 12, and a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet saying, Thus says the Lord God of your father David, Because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your father, or in the ways of Asa king of Judah that was his grandfather, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab, and have also killed your brothers, those of your father's household who were better than yourself. And that right there tells me that he should have put someone else as king. Some of his brothers were better than Jehoram. But, you know, Elijah writes him this letter, Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all your possessions, and you will become very sick with the disease of your intestines until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. Now this is interesting, you guys, for a couple of reasons. Number one, a lot of people believe that Elijah was already dead. Uh, we read about Elijah's, well, maybe not dead is the right word. He, he split, he left, remember? He was taken up in a whirlwind in Second Kings chapter 2. Now, again, we're not 100% sure because Jehoram is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 11. But it's interesting, when you look at this right here, what you find is that um, Elijah writes a letter. Two possibilities, uh, of course, either he's alive or dead. Either way, it's obviously impressive. If he has already passed on, then that means he wrote the letter before he died. Right? And so here you are getting a letter from a prophet, a major prophet, who had passed away. It's almost like someone speaking from the grave. I mean, that's going to impact you. Either way, it should impact him. This is Elijah. And, and here's the thing. You know, God is trying to get him to turn. God is trying to get him to let, get his heart right. God's trying to say, I see your heart. I see what you do in the dark. You better stop it. And you better stop making excuses. You know, Elijah is speaking to him. You know, because, I mean, you know, his kids. 
his wife. I mean, it affects everybody. I mean, you're, you're going to die. You're not just going to die. You're going to die an ugly death. And so, you know, the Lord, the Lord tries to warn him. Do you think that Jehoram listened? No. Uh, Elijah, it's no big deal. Edom, they're coming against us. It's not that big of a deal. And so it gets worse in verse 16. Moreover, the Lord, now it's notice, not just the Lord stopping Edom, you know, it's the Lord stirring up. It says in verse 16, against Jehoram, the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians, and they came up into Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions that were found in the king's house. And also notice his sons and his wives, so that there was not a son left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. And so, you know, it gets worse. It escalates. You know, the interesting thing is, if you want to maybe mark it here and go back to Second Chronicles chapter 17, this is kind of fascinating. 17, Second Chronicles 17, look at verse 11. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. And so this is his dad, Jehoshaphat. The Philistines and the, and the Arabs, these Arabians, they're bringing tribute to him. Now, one generation later, they're coming against him and they took everything away. They took his wives away. They took his kids away. And what's the Lord trying to say? He's trying to say that that's the difference between a life that's obedient and a life that's not. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? It's up to you. It's totally up to you. Again, I'm not talking about living a perfect life, but I'm talking about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit who says, this is the way I want you to treat your wife and this is what I want you to do with your son. This is, what I want you to, this is how I want you to hang out with your daughter, whatever it might be. This is what I want you to do in ministry. This is how I want you to pray. This is how I want you to read. This is how I want you to speak. These are the words that you say, not those words. It's just, you know, we want the blessings of Jehoshaphat or do you want the problems, the tragedies and the calamities of Jehoram? It's up to us. And then God, he just lays it out so clear, the contrast there, right? And apparently he didn't, he still didn't repent. And so in verse 18, after all this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease. He probably went to Tommy's or something, right? Got really bad. And the other day we went to Tommy's. It's kind of funny because I haven't gone to Tommy's in a long time. And because there's a reason I'm getting older, Right? Uh, so you know what happens when you go to Tommy's? You guys know, right? You pay for it the next day when you get my age, right? It's a picture of sin. <laughs> You're going to pay for it eventually. So anyways, but this is serious stuff, man. Then it happened in the course of time after the end of two years that his intestines came out because of his sickness, so he died in severe pain. And the people, notice this, made no burning for him like the burning 
of his fathers. Uh, as a matter of fact, you read about Asa, and they, there's this great bonfire of incense they burned because they were mourning his death. Nothing like that for Jehoram when he died. It says he was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and notice to no one's sorrow departed. I mean, nobody went to his funeral, right? However, they buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the king. See, and God speaks to us through his life. If you don't listen to the verbal warnings of God, some people don't even like that. They're like, man, I don't like what this guy's saying. And God's trying to speak. Then you're going to have to then deal with the circumstantial warnings of God. If you don't deal with the circumstantial warnings of God, you're going to have to deal with the physical warnings of God. And if you don't deal with the physical warnings of God, you might have to one day deal with the fatal warnings of God. And that's why it's so important you know, to just get our life right. So we read in chapter 22, it says in verse 1, Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his place, for the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and, and more than likely that's a copyist error. More than likely it's 22 years old. And he reigned one year in Jerusalem, a whole whopping one year, man. And he, uh, it says right here, his mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also found, walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. Notice this, this is crazy. For his mother advised him to do wickedly. And so, you know, just like, just like, um, Real practical lessons in life, the influence of a wife. So make sure you marry a, a wife that's right on, that loves the Lord. Uh, the influence of a mom. You know, when you marry a woman, she's going to be the mother of your children. Remember that. This gal, Athaliah, man, she was a devil. <laughs> she was the devil incarnate, man. I mean, it says in verse 3 that he walked in the ways of his mother of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do so wickedly you guys know the influence of a mom right pastor chuck he said this mothers can have a tremendous influence on their children what a blessing it is to have the influence of a godly mother i am thankful for the influence of my own mother and thankful too for the godly influence my wife Kay has been to our children but just as a mother can be an influence for good on her children she can also be a horrible influence such was the case with Ahaziah. His mother advised him to do wickedly. How tragic when the beautiful role of a mother is corrupted and misused to bring about godlessness instead of godliness. Didn't you guys see that video of those two gals that were duking it out in Walmart? Didn't you guys see that? It, was, it went viral, man. And there were these two ladies. It was crazy, man. <laughs> But there were these two ladies, and they were like, wrestling. And you know how guys, we, we like to watch fights. So I don't know. We ended up watching it. Forgive me, Lord. And it was on the news, actually. But one of the moms, she had a, a, a little boy. I don't know how old he was, maybe four, five. And so she's there holding the other lady down, and she tells her son to kick her. Kick her. You know? I don't know if you guys saw that. That's not a good mom. Imagine what else she taught her son. I think the authorities, you know, kind of intervened there. 
and and again, you know, as parents, it's hard. Don't condemn yourself if you're not a perfect parent. Don't beat yourself up for the past if maybe you've made some mistakes. But I'm here to tell you now that, you know, we have to make sure that we take this seriously, right? Um, And so what ends up happening in verse 4, Therefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father, notice to his destruction. He also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramath-Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Joram. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which he had received at Ramah, when he fought against Haziel, king of Syria, and Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because... He was sick. His going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. For when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed notice to cut off the house of Ahab. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who served Ahaziah that he killed them. There are 42 of them. And then he searched for Ahaziah, and they caught him. He was hiding in Samaria, brought him to Jehu. And when they had killed him, they buried him, because they said, He is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. And all this right here is rooted in an ungodly alliance. You guys, I know this sounds kind of funny, but, you know, because some people are like, well, let's all get together. You know, it's all about peace. It's all about unity. But you want to know something? Uh, Jesus said, I came to bring division. Did you know that? I came to bring a sword. And we need the wisdom to know when to divide and when to unite. You know, I remember one time as a chaplain, they wanted me to go do a, 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 a thing. It was a, an invocation, but it was with all the, dif- the different faiths. And, uh, and, I, and I was committed to it, but then I found out that it wasn't just a Christian thing. It was all these different faiths. So I had to call them up and, and tell them, I can't do that. You know, and there were other Christians there, part of that. No, I, I can't do that. You have to know when to divide and when to, when to unite. I mean, there's a lot of people, and this is an interesting thing, they call themselves Christians. They're liberal Christians. They don't even believe in the authority of the Bible. They judge Jesus' words. They take out you know, 70% of what Jesus said. They said, oh, he didn't really say that. I'm not going to go teach on the same platform with them. Some people say, well, I'll just unite. You know, come on. We, you know, can't we all get along? And you know, there's those times where we can't. Because the best interest for you or your family or your Lord is at stake. And if you have an ungodly alliance, you might find yourself just like this. God was going to judge Ahab. God anointed Jehu to judge the family of Ahab. And so when this king in the northern kingdom, Joram, he was wounded, you know, this guy is so tight with him that he goes to see him. I'm going to go visit him in the hospital. Right? And in the process... 
he ends up getting killed. You guys, make sure that the alliances that you have are of the Lord. It's so important, man. We can't compromise. And so we read in verse 10 what ends up happening when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose rose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehashabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered, and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehashabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was a sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah, so that she did not kill him. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years, while Athaliah reigned over the land. So it's interesting. Jehoram reigns eight years. Ahaziah reigns one year. Athaliah, this queen, she's in her reign for six years. Individually, people are going to hell. And people are going to heaven. Individually. But the big picture, God's still on the throne. Right? God's still on the throne. And what ends up happening was when Athaliah finds out that her family up in the northern kingdom has been put to death and, you know, you know her son um, Ahaziah has been killed, she goes and she kills anyone that might be a threat to her. And in the process, what happens is kind of interesting. Ahaziah's sister she actually steals one of these little guys. And who knows how old he is. He's probably maybe like uh, one, two years old. And, and Josephus tells us that she, he hid, she hid him in a room where they kept all the furniture in the temple. And so, um, you know, the, the Lord's still on the throne, right? Um, two things real quick in closing. You know, I thank God that the Lord's still on the throne. I mean, I don't think you guys are afraid like that, you know, but um, I don't know what's going to happen to our country. I was reading today, you guys probably know about the shooting in in Tennessee, you know, where the four uh, Marines, I think, or they were killed, three others injured. They say that now in America, um, I I think today also they sentenced the the guy who went in and shot uh, people in the Batman movie. You guys remember that? Um, or at least they convicted him. They say that now in America, every two weeks, there's a mass killing. And that would be four or more on the average of every two weeks. I don't know what's going to happen to our, our country. But I tell you what, I, I don't lose heart. When you get a chance later, you read Psalm 2. And it is talking about why do the nations you know, rage against the Lord and His anointed? He's going to end up getting the victory, right? And, and, and the last thing is this. How did this gal, Jehashabiah, first of all, she's got a funny name. <laughs> but secondly, how did she end up being so godly? I mean, she was in such an ungodly environment. We just got done talking about, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, Athaliah was so wicked and we don't know maybe she had a different mom I I don't know for sure but either way she was in that house and this is what the Lord is saying he's just saying this he says it doesn't matter how bad 
it, it is where you live or, or in this country or in this time, we can still be godly people. We can still be that, like Daniel in Babylon. I mean, talk about a guy that was sold out, man. I mean, that guy purposed in his heart not to defile himself, you know, or, or Philadelphia. They were there in the mirror of perversity, but they loved God. You know, God can do that work in us. Even this shirt right here, I don't know if you guys can see it, but I was at the pastor's conference and I went up to the table. I'm all, hey, K-Wave t-shirt, can I have one? And the lady's all looking at me. She's all, well, you know this is a Las Vegas K-Wave shirt, right? I'm all, Las Vegas? I don't know if I want a Las Vegas K-Wave shirt. <laughs> and then I thought about it. I said, of course I do. Praise God. They're in the middle of sin city, so to speak. That there is light shining in the darkness. That's who we are. That's who Joshua Beeth, that's who she was. And you guys, no matter what, no matter how dark it gets, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, the hunger and thirst for righteousness that we have, the desire that we would not compromise in any way would give us a strength to be able to be that, like that gal. Because it's another interesting thing, and there's so much here, but she was married to Jehoiada, who was an awesome husband. He was an awesome husband. And so, again, ladies, marry an awesome husband, okay? Because <laughs> it will be a good influence. Let me pray with you guys. Lord, I thank you so much. For your love and your grace in our life, I thank you, Father, for just showing me, Lord, that I am tomorrow or next week or month, what, I, what I'm sowing today. And so, Lord, help us to make good decisions, knowing that those decisions make us. Lord, help us not to compromise in any way. Help us to learn these lessons from Jehoram or Ahaziah or Athaliah. And I thank you, Lord. We know we know we're not down, we're not fretting, we're not freaking out. We know we're in a battle, but we know the war is won. And we thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray for your beautiful people here, Lord. Give them wisdom and give them faith to know, Lord, that just like this gal made a huge difference to save the nation and the lineage of Jesus Christ. So you can use our lives, even individually, Lord. And I pray again, if there is anyone here, Lord, who doesn't know that today, tonight, by your grace, by your spirit, Lord, they would truly, completely give their hearts to you. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626 Four five four, three four one four. Remember that Jesus loves you.